Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Whenever I worked on the Rocker B Ranch and outside of Big Lake, Texas, it's kind of where I spent my high school years because my dad was a cowboy out there, and then later on I worked for him also. Um, There was a pasture... Oh, over on the east side of the ranch where at the time ran, we had a registered Hereford herd. Say that five times. Registered Hereford herd. And so anyway, it was just a flat pasture. You know, I mean, it had some mesquite in it and stuff, but it was pretty wide open. But if you'd never been in that pasture, you would never know that there was a gully that, I mean, it, it's like God took his finger and just like made this dry gully all the way through it, and you literally could not see this thing until you were right up on it. I mean, even a hundred yards out, it just looked flat as could be, because it wasn't very wide. It was only probably in places 10 feet wide, and at the most, probably 25 or 30 feet wide that, that I remember. And so, the we were going to the west side of the pasture. All the cattle were on the east side, and the wagon boss told me, he said, Kevin, I got a really important job for you. I said, well, I'm pretty good at important jobs. He said, I want you to ride this way until you find that gully. He said, I want you to get down in it and go about halfway across the pasture because what's going to happen is we're going to start pushing all these cows, and every single time they'll go in that gully and try to run down and get, you know, come back behind us. He said, so your job is to, whenever they come down that gully, get them up over the hill, you know, get them back going where they need to. So you have to find a place where you can funnel them up. So I was like, yes, sir. So I get over there and I mean, it's kind of a treacherous. I mean, it's, it's probably 15 or 20 feet deep and um, in places. And so I got there really fast, but trying to find a spot that I could push the cattle up was a little more difficult. And the spot that I finally found was ideal, but it was right on a curve. So the cattle wasn't going to be able to see me until they came around it, but I, you know, first time. And I was like, this will be fine. So I'm sitting there on my horse. I did exactly what I was supposed to do, and I could hear those cattle coming. Well, so could the cult I was on. Might not have been the, if I would have known then what I know now. And this cult starts getting a little antsy because he's kind of trying to look around that corner because he can hear something coming too. I'm like, it's just some cows. It is no big deal. It's just some cows. So we sat there, and I can see the dirt, you know, starting to fly, because I, I know them cattle are coming. And so I'm sitting there, and I decide to turn and face him towards these cattle that are coming that I know are going to come around this corner, and hopefully they'll see me and just shoot right up the side. This is going to be easy breezy, right? Well, when they started getting real close, you could feel the ground kind of shaking because, I mean, they're in a really tight spot and they're moving it. So I'm thinking, maybe I better back up just a little bit. But it wasn't the cows I needed to worry about because in front of those cows came about 60 wild pigs. And if you have never been horseback around some pigs, I don't know what it is about a pig, but a horse hates them. I have never heard a horse squeal like a girl, jump straight up in the air, and levitate up the side of this mountain. Because that's exactly what we did. 
I don't know who was screaming louder, me or the horse, because, you know, I, I, I saw old Yeller, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pigs can be mean, especially wild pigs. And so um, it did not go as smoothly as I had intended. We went straight up the wall, not in the place where the uh, cows were supposed to go. But luckily, because of my horse bucking and pigs running around everywhere, the cows decided that the safest place was up there. So here went the cows. I stayed on my horse. I got out of there and I got up to the top, breathing, had asthma, sucking on an inhaler, and the wagon boss said, Well, that went smooth. <laughs> there's, there's another story about some pigs in the Bible. And it's found in Mark chapter 5. And, and a lot of you, you remember the story of how Jesus gets to this place. And there is a guy out in their cemetery just howling, and he's a crazy man. He's possessed by demons. They have tried to chain him up, put handcuffs on him. He breaks them like it's nothing. He cuts himself with rocks. I mean, this guy is possessed big time. And when Jesus comes walking up, um, Jesus knows that he's possessed by not just one demon, but a bunch of them. And so Jesus tells all those demons inside this guy that they got to they got to get out of there. And so they the the guy with the demon still inside him kneels down and says, "Please don't kill us." Jesus says, "What is your name?" And the demon says, "My name is Legion for there are many of us." And then the demon asks, he says, "Can we go into that herd of pigs?" And Jesus is like, "Yeah, go right on ahead." So all of these demons go into 2,000 pigs, not just a few, 2,000 pigs, and all these pigs run out and they basically jump off a cliff into the Lake of Galilee. Yeah, we did. Genesaret. Saw the place where in Israel. 2,000 pigs drowned themselves in the Lake of Galilee filled with demons. So, obviously, the pig, what would you call them? Pig I cannot think of a worse job in the world than to be a pig herder. I don't know, man. I... Are you going with pig? Well, that's true. That's true. That's... So anyway, the run to town, the pig herders run to town, and they tell, they start telling people what happened. You know, man, there's just fella out here. Uh, he he cured the 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 crazy dude out in the cemetery. They're out there talking and and, and playing Farkle now. We it's crazy. Right? And so the people come out there to see what had happened. When they got there, they found exactly what the pig herder said, man. Here's Jesus and the possessed man eating crumpets and, and reciting the King James Version of the Bible. Everything's good, right? Everything's good. And then something happened. Not literally, but metaphorically. The people there started throwing rocks at in Mark chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, says this, Word spread quickly about what had happened, and the people were afraid. They begged Jesus to leave the area. Simplified cowboy version. Word spread quickly about what happened, and the people were afraid. They begged Jesus the area. They threw... Literal... It's metaphorical because when you, I mean, 
I don't know of a single person probably over the age of two that has never thrown a rock at something. Usually you throw a rock at something when you get older trying to, you know, scare something off or, or whatever, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's your daughter's boyfriend or whatever, whatever happens, right? But you throw rocks at stuff, getting, get, wanting somebody, something to leave the area, and these people were metaphorically throwing rocks at Jesus. Why would you throw rocks at the Son of God? Especially after such an amazing miracle. Why would you throw rocks at the Son of God? Well, I really do think that the reason that they threw rocks at the Son of God is for the same reasons we throw rocks at Jesus today. Just like the reasons I have. We've all been known to throw rocks at Jesus because the first reason that they threw rocks at Jesus and wanted Him to leave the area is because they was... They were afraid. They were afraid of the event that they saw before them. Once again, we go back to the fact that, man, there's like 2,000 demons in him, right? He is literally breaking chains and handcuffs their twigs, running around screaming all night. He cannot be controlled. He cannot be contained. And then this one dude, this carpenter's son, an average man, walks in and with just a few words, heals the man of his demon possession. They were afraid of the supernatural event that they saw before them. Because you know what? Being in the presence of God makes most people feel afraid. And that's what they were. They were in the presence of God. Only those that, who already can rejoice in His presence. This was a pagan community. This was a Gentile. There were no Jews around there. How do we know there weren't any Jews around there? Because there was 2,000 pigs. Think about it. <laughs> Jews don't eat pork, right? They don't eat pork. So this was a pagan community, a Gentile community. These people didn't worship God, not the living God. They had their own gods made out of rocks and sticks and, you know, alpacas and, you know, just stuff like that, right? Only those who are can rejoice in His presence, and these people did not fear. But when He walks up, it made them afraid. And, and quite frankly, think about this. You know, we marvel, we marvel at the stories of the Bible, do we not? Jesus raising people from the dead, Jesus walking on water, Jesus healing people that are blind, that are deaf, that have leprosy. All of these amazing things. And we think, man, how cool would it to be to see that, right? <laughs> think again. Because if you be dead right there and you come back to life, I'm thinking zombie. Right? I mean, we have zombies. I mean, the things that come back to life are zombies, right? It's scary. I mean, we know what happened back then. But can you being there? I can imagine that it was probably pretty scary. Because being in the presence of God, those that don't fear Him, is scary. I mean, seeing something that miraculous couldn't have been easy to witness. Like I said, this was a pagan area. This was Gentiles. This was not a Jewish community, obviously. And the gods that they worshipped, man, they, they could tell the gods what they wanted, right? Their gods... 
Their gods could be old gods were contained rock or a piece of wood or whatever it was. And they could make sacrifices to their gods for exactly what they wanted, right? But here was a living God. Here was a living God that could not be controlled, that could not be contained, and could not be bribed or mocked. Living God, no wonder they were afraid. And you know what? There's been times in our lives that we have been afraid of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the times that I've been the most afraid is when God really showed up. I mean, it, it, it's actually pretty intense. Um, there was this go to a hospital visit, and I got there, and I was walking by a chapel, and, um, or the chapel, and it was over at Sky Ridge. And I ducked into that chapel, and I just went in, I took my hat off, and I sat on the front row, I just prayed. Because, see, the guy that I was going to see was not a believer, and neither was his family. But they had asked me to come and to pray with them. And I was praying for this man that was unconscious. He wasn't, you know, I mean, he was just waiting for his time to die. I didn't know, and that's exactly what I told God. I was like, God, what am I doing here? Thing I can do here. But just because I can't do something doesn't mean that you can't. So I'm going to lean on you, not on me. So I walked in to the room. He's there. The friend and the guy's wife, they weren't there. Down in an ICU room, chair, took my hat off praying. And all of a sudden, I looked up. Guy opens up his eyes and he looks at me. Weatherby, I'm the, I've been asked to come pray for you. Already trying to set up, and I helped him set up. And he said, I'm dying. And I said, yes, sir, I know. I said, do you know Jesus? He said, I know who. Would you like to spend eternity in heaven? And he said, I really would. And I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now? He said, I do. And I said, just say, God, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And he did. And he let, kind of backed down, and he closed his eyes. And I the four he had left on his head. And I said, rest well, sir. I went back and I called my friend and I said, hey, well, where are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm down in the lobby. I'm getting ready to leave. I already went up and saw him. She goes, well, we've been waiting on you. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I'll go up there. And I went up there and I said, well, you don't have to worry anymore. And they said, why? And I said, he's saved. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, uh, I said, well, I, I talked, and he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And his wife said, no, he didn't. I said, well, yeah, he did. Now, at this time, I didn't know that he was never supposed to wake up again. Like, I, I didn't know all of that. And she goes, he's not supposed to be able to walk, talk. He's, they, the doctor said he'd never wake up again. I said, well, he did, because I talked to him. And she goes, there's, there's no way. And I said, there is a way. And there is a life. The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. I left there, and before I got out of the parking lot in my truck, there was ecstatic crying because the wife went up there and the husband was awake talking to her about how he had met Jesus. Now that has nothing to do with me, but when you are in of a miracle, it makes you go, whoa. 
Seriously, it does. It's amazing. But this God could not be controlled and could not be bribed. These people threw rocks at Jesus because they were afraid. But it's not the only reason that they threw They threw Jesus because they were greedy. You see, Jesus said he had a big part in the death of a whole bunch of bacon. Right? I mean, these, this is how they made their living was with pigs. He done run 2,000 of them off a cliff. I don't know if there was boats. I don't know what they did afterward. But, but he had put a pretty big substantial dent in their income level. And you know what? We often choose our livelihoods and what we are comfortable with over Jesus. We choose material comfort over spiritual. Our jobs come first. Well, I have to work. Well, I have to work. Oh, well, I, I can't do that. I have to work. I have to work. A lot of our jobs come first, and if Jesus comes in it at all, it's an hour a week if we make it. We can all be greedy. We've all thrown rocks at Jesus by choosing something else over Him, by choosing this material comfort or money or, or our hopes and dreams and who we should be by worshiping. They became greedy. They didn't even care that the man was healed. Think about this. They didn't even care that him. Seriously, this dude had been terrorizing their community. They didn't even care that he had been healed. They just wanted Jesus. He made their lives uncomfortable. They would rather give up Jesus. They would rather give up Jesus than their secure. Man, I've thrown Jesus, haven't we? Because I think that there's, I, I know I've been there. And chances are, maybe not even a good chance, but chances are, if I've been afraid of God and I've been greedy, then maybe you have been too. But we don't have, we don't have to be. Then what happened? Then what happened is Jesus is not going to force himself on anybody. And in a way, that's the saddest thing I've ever forces himself on anybody, even though he gives us everything, eternal life, safety, security, maybe not safety from, from being the safety of knowing exactly where we're going to go and that we are already victorious. We get everything, right? But in Mark chapter 5, verses 18 and 20, it says this, As Jesus threw his saddle in the back of the boat, the former demon-possessed man asked to ride with him. But Jesus told him to go home. Well, what God has done for you. All he had mercy on. Tell people what God has done for you and that he had mercy on you. So the guy went off and told everyone his story and all were amazed. Simplified cowboy version. See, you ever notice that when Jesus healed a blind man, a deaf man, that a lot of times he'd say, don't tell anybody what happened here? You remember that? Isn't that weird? But yet, in this instance, Jesus tells the guy, he said, Go home. Tell people what God has done for you and that He had mercy on you. Here's the worst of the worst. Jesus wants him to go out and tell people, man, I was the one out there terrorizing everybody. I had you know, two at least 2,000 demons and mercy on me and He will have mercy. 
Jesus usually told people to be quiet about his miracles, but not this time. I mean, think about it. This guy had been alone and unable to speak. I mean, he was just howling all night long like a wild animal. If he went and told his story, people would know that a miracle had happened. Quite frankly, it probably, surprised, it probably frightened people when he went and told them the story, especially if they knew who he was. Here's the guy that could break chains and puffs and all this other stuff, and here he is sitting at the table drinking coffee. This is a pagan area, and Jesus knew that this, this is why he told him to go home, that he could tell people about the miracle, is that this was a pagan area, and Jesus knew this miracle wouldn't cause massive crowds to follow him or religious nut jobs to try to hinder him. It was always in his when he told people to be quiet. It never worked. It never worked. And sometimes I wonder if there wasn't some repair, but that's not for me to say. But this was a pagan area. Jesus knew that if he went and told people about, if the guy went and told people about the miracle, that, you know, he wouldn't have the 5,000. And there was no, not going to be any Pharisees out there because a good Pharisee would never be in a pagan area, right? So Jesus didn't mind the guy telling, miracle, telling people about the miracle. But Jesus sent the man out to spread the good news. Jesus was expanding his ministry through this man. Just like he does through us. If we don't throw rocks at him. If we don't throw rocks at him. Have you met Jesus? Have you had that encounter with him like this man did? Where you've been healed with the Son of God, maybe not physically with our eyes, but with our hearts and our souls. Have you met him? Because after meeting Jesus, when people first saved, a lot of times they're on fire. I get to talk to them all the time, and man, what, what a joy. Fire, and they want to go tell the world about Jesus, and, and they have all, I'm going to get a horse, and I'm going to explain the gospel through a horse, or I'm going to do, do rodeo Bible camps, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do that. And you know what Jesus says to people that are saved when they first get saved like this man was? He's telling you to go home. Go home and tell people of the miracle that happened in you. Because what do you have an impact in our homes and our communities first? Are you, are you just inside your want something more from you? Man, are, are you seriously, are, are you making disciples in your own home? Are you making disciples in your own community? Are you, are you afraid? If you're afraid to talk about Jesus at home, Man, you're not probably going to have a very effective ministry outside of your home. To be a Christian in your hometown, you're probably not going to do very well going out and doing something that we consider bigger. I don't think there's anything bigger than going home. Too, too often, much effort into working for God instead of just going home and letting God work through us. Too often into working for God instead of just going home and letting Jesus work. Are you throwing rocks at God right now with the way that you're living your life? Are you throwing rocks at Him because you're afraid? Are you afraid to give up that group of friends that, that you know that you 
what Jesus wants us to do and tell others about Him that they're, they're going to cast you out? Are you afraid? Are you throwing rocks at Jesus because your impact on your life might be? If you are, I understand. I've been there. Anyway, follow Him. And tell people about the miracle that Jesus has worked in your life where you went from a dead man, a dead woman, a dead cowboy, a dead one that is alive. Because remember, Jesus didn't come to this world to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. Are you afraid? Is money standing in the way? Are you throwing rocks at Jesus because you're afraid of the financial impact He will have on your life? And you know what? I'm here to tell you that He will have a substantial financial impact on your life. He will. We have people that work for Save the Cowboy, starting with, that took six feet to work for God. And you go talk to them and you ask them how easy that was, and they'll tell you it wasn't easy, but that it was worth it. And now, I have more now than I ever had before by giving it all to Him. Are you throwing rocks at Jesus because you're afraid? Are you throwing rocks at Jesus because of the financial impact that He'll have on your life? Yeah, He's 10% and I'll open the store. I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. Sign me up for that. Throwing rocks at Jesus. And if you're not, what are you doing? Go home. Just like Jesus told this guy. Go home. Tell people for you and that He had mercy on you. If you came here today, not sure what you to do, you know. Let's go to him in prayer. God, we've all thrown rocks at you at some point in our lives. Maybe some have done so this morning. Help us to put our rocks down and open our hearts to your healing and to your mission of becoming mission. A new world awaits those who are willing to ride for your brand. And the only way to saddle up is to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And get ready for your life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.